gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well, here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Hey, greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Morgan, Jared, Deves, and Al ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. This week, we have episode 38, December 19th, 2022, coming at you. We uh, have two special guests, Morgan and Jared, from My Spiritual Life, co-hosting this week. We've got a lot of news to go over. First of all, uh, uh, President Biden has signed the Respect for Marriage Act. We have artificial intelligence perfectly answering the tough LDS questions that we all have the questions to. You're going to really uh, enjoy that. Mormon missionary has been busted in a child sex solicitation sting operation, and people are searching for Mormon porn, only in the state of Utah, it looks like. And what would you do if the prophet asked you to give up eating vegetables? So yeah, welcome Morgan and Jared. We're so glad to have you, and Dives as well, of course. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm excited. This is uh, going to be a fun time. <clears throat> You betcha. Hey, uh, this is D Bays here. Hey, uh, Morgan and Jared, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, how, do, how did you two meet? Uh, we were in the same BDSM dungeon. No! <laughs> oh, I do have that. I always tend to answer that first because you guys say something weird. No. What ad- what's the address? What's the address? I might have been there. <laughs> no, we, we very romantically met at BYU, oh. I do, in, in Book of Mormon class. Oh, no. <laughs> that's quite a contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then eight months later, we got married. Mm-hmm. Wow, fun. Now, how, when and why did you start uh, my spiritual life? What, what, what? Uh, when did you start that? So we uh, we got married and well, we met and got married in 2013, and then Jared evilly left the church, and um, a couple years later, I left the church, and mm-hmm. then um, I just, I guess. Initially, I was I just felt really lonely and I kind of wanted to put some thoughts out there to see what other people were thinking because I just felt kind of crazy and I started getting a lot of um, like validation stuff. It was cool. I, I noticed at the time too, like I, after leaving the church, I, a lot of ex Mormon content wasn't anything I could really stomach because it was all just really a over the top and intense and mm-hmm. like my you know for for someone like me who still really loved my mormon family and roots and heritage i was like i can't stomach this so i tried to put content out there that was like a little bit softer and then yeah. i kind of dove into the angry phase things got a little more intense and then i and then i kind of matured a little bit more <laughs> and kind of calmed things down again so that that was kind of the wild ride of that but more recently on my spiritual life i'm primarily on youtube um, I, I, uh, I researched different cults, uh, uh, and groups, you know, because obviously I was, I was fascinated with that, you know, coming yeah. from this religion where I didn't think it was true anymore. I was like, well, what else is out there? I started researching more cults and I say cults, like, you know, actual cults. Cause I, I don't know that Mormonism really can fit that label as well as, you know, Scientology, Jehovah's Witness, things like that. Um, anyway, so I've enjoyed that aspect of things. I also try to talk to people, have discussions about morality, you know, ethics, uh, right and wrong, you know, how, and just kind of discovering who you are and what you want out of life, you know, as you're navigating, uh, you know, post-faith uh, life. So that's kind mm-hmm. of an overview of kind of what I'm doing more now. 
Okay. Yeah. And uh, so what would you say your goal is with, uh, with, with your, um, it's not really a podcast with the YouTube channel. What, what would you say your goal is? What would you trying to accomplish? I would say primarily I'm trying to encourage people to think critically and to um, figure out why they're doing what they're doing to understand themselves better so that they can live the life that uh, would best fulfill them and, and make them happy because in, in discovering and understanding yourself, kind of deconstructing your roots, whether they're religious or even just your family roots, you can kind of understand why you're doing what you're doing and maybe why you don't want to be doing what you're doing and kind of uh, course correct that. So I would hope okay. that people in watching my content would uh, think more critically about the world uh, and about you know what anyone has to say about anything, whether it's religious or political or whatnot, and that they would um, look within and, and you know understand themselves better. So it sounds like uh, you take more of a, a, a soft-handed approach uh, compared to maybe some of the other uh, um, uh, ex-Mormon uh, podcasts or uh, YouTube videos that are out there. I, uh, I don't bitch bit... about Brigham Young anymore, if that's what you mean. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with that statement, yes. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> now, what do you think, uh, Morgan, about uh, uh, you know the current state of podcasting slash YouTube slash TikTok and the fact that it's mostly filled by uh, you know Jared, Al, myself, you know, a bunch of middle-aged white guys? You know, There's not a lot of women out there. Well, I think that ultimately um, men were ordained by God to have ex-Mormon YouTube channels. <laughs> and so like, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of going above and beyond, but everyone else that like, that's their ordained duty. So wow, <laughs> for ordained pre, I, I like to call it predestined. No, but um, I, I guess uh, in my head, uh, personally, I don't really think about what people's genders. I um, gender blind, apparently, because <laughs> I didn't even realize that it was predominantly male until you said that. Uh, you know, I'm not, there's some ex, you know, there's some women out there in, like Marty Nilsson and, uh, you know, there's Exmo Lex and there's, uh, I don't know, there's, there's a handful, but I mean, yeah, ultimately, uh, I mean, ultimately, to me, uh, I, I don't know why that might be the case, but uh, I guess it doesn't necessarily bother me. I, I haven't thought about it, but Jared might have some comments on that. Um, I don't know. I <laughs> I like to look at the content, not the identity of the content creator, right? Because, mm -hmm. I don't know, when I left it, like some of the ones that I listen the ones that I listened to the most there was Lindsay Hansen Park and Jonathan Streeter right and um I loved the Euro polygamy podcast and everybody loved that I I don't know I, I did, we get into arguments all the time in these spaces about whether or not there's sexism in the ex-Mormon podcast community because because there's generally more men doing it or whatever but like I just I don't know. I don't think it's the case that people will refuse to listen to a podcaster just because she's a woman, right? Because Lindsay Henson Park's a good example. She's one of the most popular ex-Mormon podcasters out there, and she did a really good job. <clears throat> Exmo Lex is huge. Um, I don't know. I I think there's just more men. I don't know. I would say more men must be interested in it. 
More women are interested in cooking, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 man. Right. Now, I just looked at our stats for this podcast, and I just, just pulled them up while you were talking, and 61% of our audience is male. So maybe mm-hmm. we're fitting that same mold. Mm-hmm. You know, I do wonder. You know, is there anything else about you, uh, Jared or, or Morgan, your personal life or religious background that you want to share with us before we get started? We did, did link to uh, My Spiritual Life on YouTube, but is there anything else about your backgrounds that you want to talk about before we jump in the news? Jared also does um, some videos with Chris Hanna over on, what do you call it? Oh, Porch it? Time. Porch Time. If people want to see more from Jared, Jared comes on my channel occasionally, but that's where you can see more of him uh, getting, uh, I don't know, real fired real, up. Real fired up. <laughs> yeah, so. well, what do you cover? What do you cover over there on that channel? I'm sorry. I'm not familiar he with covers that. covers how much he hates ex-Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I actually think you guys would like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's and that's uh, that's porch time on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's Chris Hanna's channel. It's me and Flip and and oh Chris yeah, I've seen that. Everybody. I've seen that channel before. Now right. that you, you know, I didn't recognize you. Now, yes, I've watched that channel from time to time. You guys go, uh, you guys kind of go off the deep end sometimes on that one, don't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. Yeah, I don't know. So that's if you ask about the state of ex Mormon podcasting, then I guess. My opinions are all on on that channel. <laughs> yeah. So if if it's a channel to roast ex Mormons, then you must have a lot of faithful. You probably have a lot of general authorities tuning into that channel. That's all I can imagine. You know, I don't think they would. I don't think... listens to it every morning. I have it on a, a very reputable source. <laughs> Honestly, the amount of people who um, I don't know the, the amount of people who would approve of the, our what we do is pretty low. There's like. I don't know, maybe 20 people <laughs> think this same way. So, because you're not really, we're not really going to make friends with most of the Mormon community because we're mm-hmm. obnoxious. We don't let them off the hook. We, we cuss constantly. And well, Kevin's they've covenanted to yeah. avoid loud laughter. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True. <laughs> Well, don't cut, don't cut, cut yourself short. The uh, church started in uh, you know April sixth, eighteen thirty, and it had less than fifty members. So if you've only got twenty people tuning in, you never know what's going to happen, Jared. Oh my God, Jared, you could reach the whole world. I can. You might even build your own temple in Dubois. I know. How do you feel about like twenty other wives? <laughs> I mean, I get and it begins. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you've been listening a little bit too much to the Year of Polygamy podcast, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> it's starting to get. It's starting to go straight to your head. So you may need to. Uh, you may need to back off that a little bit. And uh, uh, no, seriously. But though you have the, uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on. But Morgan, you have. We always have a Mormon News Roundup joke of the week. And Morgan, I understand that you've got the joke this week. Yes, I do. So we used to do this series on our channel called Cringe Binge, and uh, we don't we don't do it anymore. But People would write in with just these funny, cringy moments that they had as as LDS or other religious, you know, faith based uh, stories. And and this my favorite story ever. Um, this girl wrote in and talked about how her grandma um, had a hummingbird die in her garden, and she <laughs> she took that hummingbird. Do you want to finish the story, Jerry? I mean. She put it in a plastic bag and she it was like her reverse canary in the coal mine because it was like a dead bird that when Jesus comes again, she expected it to be resurrected 
Oh. So like she'd be fluttering around in that bag. So she put it like, in, Oh, she, she'd be the first to know that Jesus is back. She put <laughs> this dead hummingbird in a, in a Ziploc oh bag, taped oh. it <laughs> the outside of her window, and would use it to check if it was the second coming every morning. <laughs> wow. But one thing she doesn't know is that hummingbirds need oxygen to survive. So she just ended up killing it again. It would just keep dying and being yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. I got what well, I got a. This is a a Mormon pickup line that I came up with all by myself. That okay. I got from Morgan. And, and you're going to use that for those twenty wives, or is that yeah. just? Oh, okay, well, gotcha. it, actually, it wouldn't it work the first time because it would. Uh, it, I don't know. It was just if I were a polygamist, I'd marry you twice. <laughs> oh, um, that's sweet. That that is <laughs> that's very romantic. Probably probably wouldn't <laughs> probably wouldn't work on additional wives. Probably not. <laughs> No, probably not. But but speaking of polygamy, though, uh, our first news article does, uh, you know, does talk about marriage a lot. And that's from uh, Tad Welch on uh, Deseret News. And President Biden here, he is signing the amended Respect for Marriage Act in White House ceremony. And Latter-day Saint leaders, they are attending the ceremony. And the church also released a statement on this. And they sent two indomitable guests uh, for the signing ceremony, they sent uh, the church sent former Senator uh, Gordon H. Smith from uh, Oregon. Uh, he's a former senator, and also Elder Jack and Gerard, a General Authority seventy of the church. So, hey, you know the church is releasing a statement. They're attending the ceremony. They're really ringing. You know, they're really rolling out the red carpet for this, right, guys? <laughs> uh, official representatives from the church. Huh? <laughs> I imagine there's this like there's stark balance that you got to walk when you are the church PR team, True. right? Like you don't, you don't want to send nobody because mm-hmm. then that's, I don't know. That looks like Trump not coming to the inauguration. Like meh, we're not <laughs> doing it. You, know? you got to send, you don't want to send like the prophet. Cause then you're, <laughs> I don't know. You're, your more traditional Mormon members are going to be like, what the hell, man? What the heck, man? <laughs> yeah. I I was, I went to a call center and, and called people in California and told them to vote against Prop 8 because you told me to 20 years ago. And that, now you're going to this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like, you know, well, the church didn't want to send anyone too high because then it would give it too much. Uh, you know, it'd be like you're giving too big of an endorsement. So they gave like the most tepid endorsement that you could. I mean, it's kind of like you had like the second counselor in the Twilla, uh, in the Twilla Elders Corn presidency is going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah. A former, I think a it was very senator. calculated. I think you're right. Yeah. I, I'm guessing that uh, this uh, 70 isn't from the first two quorums of the 70, probably the third or fourth. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Could be from the ni- he, he could be from the ninth or 12th. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, for, I'm for not real. really sure. Yeah. But the church, yeah, the church did release a statement, and they said that this new law demonstrates respect for others. And the law states that it can't be used to harm religious conscious rights or faith-based institutions, and it protects the tax-exempt status of churches. It protects grants and licenses. No law is perfect, but uh, uh, basically, we're a big fan of this law. Thanks so much. What do you all think about that? Uh, I don't it's know. Not perfect, I, but at least they got what they wanted, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even know if they'll get what they wanted, though. <laughs> I think that the only reason that they said it's not perfect was to have plausible deniability. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think just everything that the church does at this point is risk-averse business practices. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they restated in this statement again that the doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints related to marriage between a man and a woman is well known and will remain unchanged. They seem to be coming back to this point time and time again. But then you have a bill that seemingly uh, says the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, that was well, the, the, like, the big thing know, when it broke, right? Yeah. The, the big, yeah, the big news uh, our, our title when it broke was, oh, the LDS Church endorses gay marriage. And uh, oh, we, we find that that's uh, just kind of one thing that they weren't able to get written out of the bill. <laughs> uh, I, I had some, some LDS, you know, family members that were really shook up over this because they were like, why couldn't the church just have said nothing, you know? And I understand where they're coming from because it is so contradictory to the stance that the church has taken in the past that it was uh, it was putting a, a friend of mine, an LDS friend of mine, through a, basically a faith crisis. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I don't blame her. Part of me wonders if the reason to to advocate for this was was in part to pander because they I mean, my understanding is that they're losing a lot of members over the LGBT stuff. And so if they can. If they can, you know, be like, uh, okay, well, you know, no, no, we, you, we, we're not, we're not hateful toward this group, you know. Okay, look, here's proof. You know, they think maybe it will hold some membership, uh, but I don't know. So, granting concession that will uh, allow uh, people that are non-binary to marry legally, but just not in our temples. In our uh, church houses, you know, but uh, right. yeah, they, they can marry. <laughs> they just, uh, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, in, not in my backyard. <laughs> you know, the thing about this statement is that this statement, you're going to lose the right wing members, you know, the Desnats and the other people who are far out on the right. This True. statement is going to make them mad. So it's like you can't have a statement now. The church, it's a fine line to walk. And the church has, has alienated so many of the left leaning church members with prior LGBTQ rhetoric, which was a very harmful. And now it's it's managed to alienate all the way those on the right. It is kind of funny. You think like, why not stand by your more conservative members since you know you've already burned the bridge with the <laughs> with the liberal members? So like, why would you piss off your conservative members? And I, I, I can't sit here and think that this wasn't just some kind of oopsie mo moment. You know, I'm sure that this was very calculated that the way the way they went about this. And I'm not entirely sure what they were trying to accomplish. But I think that they have successfully accomplished pissing off both the the young, you know, liberal, you know, Mormons and the older conservative ones now. So I, I'm not sure, you know, who's going to stick around. But I don't know. We'll if, they, if they had been articulate about this at all, then I think I could have given them a pat on the back for it. Because like, I remember my stance on it when I was, you know, very Mormon, I was I, I couldn't understand how you could, like, constitutionally speaking make gay marriage illegal right like even as a believing mormon i was like well no it should be legal i obviously yeah. i'm mormon i think it's a sin but i don't legislate sin obviously i'm not gonna make coffee or, or alcohol illegal so why would i make this illegal so if they said that and if they just said look we don't we still think it's a sin but it should be legal and and i do like honestly i think it's fair to say and we don't want to do it in our temples like mm -hmm. and, that's fine. Don't do it in yeah. your temple. Why would why would a gay couple want to get married in your temple anyway? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of the I, what I think the real point was was that the the church was saying, okay, well, you know, legally, 
they can, but um, also legally we can uh, deny them access to our to our sacred uh, shrines and altars. Yeah, so we're definitely going to be watching this. It's just amazing that, uh, you know, this, this has managed to upset so many people, and it d- does seem very calculated. And, you know, you would I would have expected to see Dallin H. Oaks at this because this is a law that certainly he must have been the brainchild for this entire endeavor. I mean, I don't think anybody questions that. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll be watching this. We could spend a lot more time on this if we could. We've got a lot of news to get to, so please rate us with five stars uh, if you're listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts, by the way. And uh, we'll be watching this. Uh, our next article, here is uh this is uh the title of the article is mormon church plans first middle east temple near the city of dubai and this was released on the nationalnews.com which is a united arab emirates newspaper so uh hundreds of members of the church are, are in dubai up to maybe two thousand members are in dubai there is a stake there and the church has announced that they're uh the only temple that is going to be built in the entire uh, Middle East, they're going to be building it in the Expo City in Dubai. Now, this temple was announced in 2020, and the building, you know, it takes about three to four years to make a temple. And, of course, there's like 170 operating temples in the world. But this is going to be the first temple in the entire Middle East that the church has, uh, has uh, that the church is a part of. I'm curious to know if this is the first church uh, that the, <clears throat> or the first temple that the church is building to serve just one stake. Of <laughs> no, no, I, uh, no, I can definitely answer that. For instance, the church has one stake uh, in India. There's only one True. stake in India. There's 36 congregations in India, and they are for 1.4 billion people in India. There is one announced temple. Of course, there's like two temples in. Uh, there's like three temples in Cash Valley. You know what I mean? So yes, oh, the yeah. church, the <laughs> cow, church, cow. and, and uh, like Austria, Austria has 4,000 members. They're all in one stake. So there are a number of temples that are just for one stake. So yes, I can answer that. Wow. Yeah. But if you think if you think about this, so, so there's 2,000 members in Dubai. I, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of uh, temple tourism to this temple. I, I mean, it's pretty hard to travel around to some of these Middle East countries. I mean, there could be, but if you have 2,000 members in Dubai, let's say that a uh, uh, half of them are active, which is a pretty generous, uh, pretty generous estimate. That'd be a thousand members in a uh, thousand Mormons in Dubai. Well, only three quarters of those can really go into the temple because you know you don't really have 11 year olds going into the temple. So we're down to 750, and only 75 percent of those actually have a temple recommend. So we're down to like five. And out of that, only like maybe 75% of them actually go to the temple. So this is a, a temple that is basically going to be built for like maybe three or 400 people. It's a very small number. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> makes me wonder how often they'll even be open. Like, Who's yeah. going to staff it? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, not everyone would live super close to it either, like out mm-hmm. of all those people. so Sure, but the people that staff it would have to, you think, live well, close how, to it. Well, and I, yeah, I wonder how, yeah, that's... I, they wouldn't, uh, they, they, maybe they could staff it once a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I don't this imagine. Is a, this is a big deal for LDS members as far as like, you know, it, it's that, that whole prophecy that the, the church is going to go and fill the whole, the whole earth. That's a big deal, you know, for LDS people, because, you know, having a temple here in this place where, you know, you, you think maybe it wouldn't happen or at least not happen for a lot, lot longer. You know, I'm sure that a lot of Mormons are excited about it just for the, I don't know, kind of like a token temple. You well, know? Okay. I think it better look cool. It better yeah. look damn cool. Cause <laughs> like for the last 20 years, we've had these Hinkley McTemple things that they've put up. <laughs> McTemples? Like McBurgers? <laughs> yeah. Like they're, they're factory temples. It's like they were, they yeah. have just this blueprint that they printed off. I, I don't know. 
And then they did every temple like that and they look dumb. They don't have any more San Francisco temple or I mean, San Diego temples or whatever. It's just this crap. So if you're going to do one, this is your first temple in the Middle East, then make it look pretty. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you got to do it justice. I mean, it's next to like the Burj Dubai. I mean, you know, it's in the Expo Center. It, it's got to be unique. It has to also, in my mind, it, it needs to have like Middle Eastern like hints and it's some kind of an architecture that is like, you know, uh, it, it can't just be, you know, like a, if you put a Provo Temple in there, that's oh, it. I'm God. done. I'm, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm out. They should demolish the... Pro- That's one of the ugliest buildings I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, they're, if, they're, if there's going to be a, a single spire, it better be over 300 feet tall, right? Yeah. yeah. The Provo <laughs> Temple is being renovated. The Provo Temple is set to be renovated. They haven't released what the new... Uh, what it's going to look like, but obviously it can't be much worse than what it currently is. <laughs> doing it again? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. God. They're redoing it. Third time's a charm. Yep. Now uh, that does take us to our next article here, uh, which uh, you've got for us right now. I do. This one is uh, we're going a little bit with uh, the sports this week. Um, Latter Day Saint head football coach Ken Niumatololo steps down at Navy. Uh, so he was um, he he gained fame in the uh, uh, 2014 Meet the Mormons film. Uh, as the head coach of a uh, Navy football team, um, had a really good career. Um, this article comes from the Deseret News. They're reporting on it um, from, let's see, Ryan McDonald, December 11th of this year. And uh, we don't really know why he's stepping down, um, but he's had a very uh, good, long career, a very distinguished career with Navy. Yeah, let's see, he went as an assistant coach for a time to UNLV, but then he went right back to Navy and became the head coach. They did consider him as uh, Lavelle Edwards' replacement, or not not Lavelle Edwards, um, uh, Mendenhall. Yeah, oh. so, uh, Sataki is the one that they gave the, the position to, but he was uh, in the running as well. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so Sataki, he, he got the after Mendenhall, and uh, yeah, this is, uh, so he, he's been with Navy ever since. Uh, and he's, still fairly young for retirement. So it doesn't look like he's, I mean, yeah, it's, he, he's been in there for 25 years of service uh, at the Acad- Naval Academy, but he's still a fairly young guy. So for him to be retiring at such a young age, we're not really sure uh, what the future has or why he's, I mean, he's 57 years old. So he maybe could, God uh, called him to be in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach mission. That That's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly a possibility. That that sounds like a good mission. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach mission. You know, that's pretty good. <laughs> Somebody's um, got to do it. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you, it'll probably be very hard to find sister missionaries that would meet the cheerleader requirement. Mm-hmm. Oh, I might, wait, I might have oh, to cut that. Yep. <laughs> I might have to cut that out. That's 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 rude. That was that was below the belt. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just well, just a joke. They are allowed to wear pants now, right? So, <laughs> uh, but not short shorts. But not really? short shorts. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, but he was in Meet the Mormons. He was one of the stars there, you know, and it was a very faith inspiring story, really, when you watch the uh, behind the scenes and the other things from 2014. He's got an incredible family, an incredible story. And, you know, when he went to Navy, he, uh, you know, he refused to have a, a, a football meetings on Sunday. And that was pretty groundbreaking at the time, because, you know, usually your last game's on Saturday. You go back in to review the film. And he said, no, the Sunday's a holy day and we're not going to do it. And that was considered very controversial. His life story, his family story is... um 
yeah, is very faith inspiring. Uh, he uh, seems like a really good person from at least from the film, you know, from the what he's portrayed in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a really decent guy. Yeah. Uh, and I do uh, just want to touch on real quick BYU football. They did win their bowl game yesterday uh, versus uh, in the New Mexico Bowl versus uh, Southern Methodist University. So BYU ends up the season on eight and five. So that's good. Yeah, you bet. That's our sports update. Um, now, our next article here, this is this is unbelievable. This is really, really ridiculous is Mormon missionary caught on camera sexually solicitating an 11 year old girl in front of of his missionary companion, and the police are called. This is a terribly t- sad story. Uh, Morgan, we talked about this in the pre-show. What are your thoughts on this in- incredibly uh, outrageous story? So for anyone who might not be familiar with this, there are uh, Chris Hansen wannabes, I'll call them. <laughs> so, okay, uh, yep. here's the go. Chris Hansen hosted a show on Dateline that was called To Catch a Predator. And a lot of people have basically mimicked that and made YouTube channels where they pretend to be a minor child and, you know, wait for, you know, people to reach out to them and so that they can have this gotcha journalism moment where they go confront those people and say, why were you, you know, trying to solicit sex or photos from this underage person? And um, uh, I uh, personally, I... I really liked the show Catch a Predator when it came out, but um, more recently, uh, as I've seen these YouTubers and stuff come out, I've kind of, my opinions on it have changed a lot because I I don't think that it's ethical. Uh, The way that I see it is that if you are attracted to an underage child, uh, you're mentally ill and you need help. And so I think that getting a camera in these people's faces and trying to exploit them and their their vulnerability and their illness for views is extremely unethical in my opinion however Mm. the video certainly is very interesting because they just so happened in their little uh detective work to catch an lds mormon missionary who was you know serving a mission during this time that he was soliciting this you know fake young girl for sex so this guy comes and confronts. So the, the host of the YouTube channel goes and confronts this missionary. He lies, by the way, to get onto the the, the premise of the, the apartment complex, says that he has yeah. a package and he doesn't. He shows oh, yeah. up. This guy really, he, he breaks every ethical uh, boundary in order to get access to the missionary and then uh, in the process of talking with him, right? His name's right. Alex. His name is Alex Rosen. He supposedly has a, a, a YouTube channel called Predatory Poachers, and he also has a, a, an organization that he's a part of called Nonviolent Citizens Against Predators. So he's the one who recorded the call and the text messages and basically laid the trap for this missionary. Yeah, and basically the the it's like a forty minute long video, but essentially this host what he does is just interrogates this this young missionary and is like, "Why did you do this?" Did you do this? Why did you do it? Did you? But did you really? It was like four minutes of that. The companion sitting there actually called it right when he's like, okay, what 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 do you want to happen from this? And the guy's like, I want some assurance that it's not going to happen again. He's like, look, I don't think you will accept any form of assurance that this isn't going to happen again. And I think he nailed it. Um, Because like, what what are you going to say? Like, oh, I I promise I'm not going to go solicit 11 year olds anymore. And be like, okay, Mm. that's fair. See ya. Yeah. I'm just going to trust this guy. So he kept pushing him. Obviously, the missionary was 
horrified, ashamed, and, you know, this was an awkward situation for him. Not saying, like, that what he did was okay, what he did was terrible, but obviously, like, how are you, what are you supposed to do in this situation? I have no idea. Clearly, this kid needs help, but the the host just kept pushing him, and then the the companion was trying to get them to leave and be like, okay, like, we're gonna go, we're gonna address this. Oh, not to mention, the host lied and said that he was Mormon, That and that wasn't true. Oh, yeah. I, he was trying to I get think this the biggest, kid to talk. Yeah, but the biggest lie that he told is that he was 27 years old. <laughs> he said, I'm I, I think the biggest old. lie that he told was that he was yeah. an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> so <laughs> before the cameras even started rolling, right? Because, I mean, oh, is, that, and that, that's the question that I have is, is there a, a crime actually committed? in this because it's not like he was actually talking to an 11 year old girl sure maybe he thought he was talking to an 11 year old girl but i mean with regards to like laws about deception and fraud and things like that i would think that uh alex rossum has committed more crimes uh in this process than the missionary uh, did well that's one of the big problems here is that you call the law they call law enforcement in on this case and other cases and the problem is is that the text messages from Mr. Rosen and the phone calls and the recordings they're not the same as if this was being done by the FBI or a law enforcement agency and a lot of times they don't get the convictions that they were looking for this is all basically a publicity stunt in a, in an effort to try to get likes and comments on YouTube and nothing usually a lot of times nothing ends up happening so essentially, this is like um, a, a more sinister version of like the prank videos where they're like, oh, it's just a prank, bro. <laughs> I think it's kind of just this. It, it always seems to be this self-aggrandizement that they're after. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I don't I don't I've watched a couple of these channels and it's because it, he even at the end of it, after the police were took the companion away and were talking to him, he's like chastising the companion. This this main guy here, he's mm-hmm. he's like like this is on you and blah blah i don't know like yeah it, it's almost like he he wanted to lecture people more than anything i mm-hmm. think we have this sort of bloodlust in us that we seek to direct toward things that we deem worthy of that bloodlust because like when you go i remember watching this documentary on ted bundy and when he was in court you see all these people with signs outside that read burn Bundy burn. Right. And it, like all these people calling for somebody's death and Ted Bundy was about as bad as you get. And like, mm-hmm. I would say that if anyone's deserving of the death penalty, then yeah, but my God, it ought to be a really solemn occasion when you sentence somebody to death. I, I think when people, ordinary people get like, they get off on, on somebody being sentenced to death, they're like, you're just looking for something that will quench that bloodlust that you haven't addressed inside you. Is this yeah. a good time to bring up the fact that Ted Bundy is a Mormon? Uh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> it's a very good one. Yeah. yeah not, not a good one. You know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, it, you're right about what you said, Jared. People want to see people that they don't like in uncomfortable <laughs> situations. And quite frankly, Mormon missionaries are among the least like people around. They are considered mm-hmm. automatons. They, people don't want them on their porch. Mormonism is weird. It's like they don't even have feelings. So this is going to get a lot more views than an average because of also the hypocrisy factor. They're supposed to be spreading God's good word. And instead, mm-hmm. this missionary makes a bad mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's going to lead to a lot of likes and a lot of uh, comments. Yeah, I I guess the issue I take with this whole process, um, going back to what Morgan was saying earlier, is essentially what we're taking is a a mentally ill person 
and exploiting their mental illness. Uh, so it, it, could this possibly lead into other people like hanging around outside of mental health clinics uh, looking for like people with OCD and say, oh, look at you. You can't control uh, going outside the house without flipping the lights on and off five times. You know, <laughs> at what point do we call this out for what it really is? And that's something that's a, a problem, right? Yeah, I would like to think that we would think that people who are, are hurting people like oftentimes themselves are mentally ill and that they need help. They don't need uh, to be this. Uh, this money making grab, you know, I just I find that so mm -hmm. unethical. And again, yeah. not, you know, not to say that it was right what this kid did. It was scary what he did. Yeah. It's scary what he might do in the future. But mm -hmm. that uh, putting it on YouTube isn't going to fix anything. Um, mm -hmm. And some people could steel man that and say like, well, maybe if it shamed him enough, he won't try it again. But I think that shame uh, is only something that that often works temporarily. But I mean, you could make a case for it. But uh, essentially, I just think that as humans, like, you know, we're all saying as humans, it's in our nature to and to like to want that vengeful uh to want that revenge on people that have done something wrong. We think, Oh yeah, this bad thing's happening. This bad person feels so good. And it's like, wait a second. Is that really, is that really the kind of person I want to be that I wish harm upon people that have done harm? Because that's literally the eye for eye makes the world go blind. Like, no, I, if people are doing harm and we need to lock them up so they stop doing it and hopefully learn from the lesson. Great. But like, I don't like this uh, YouTube fame and and clout that people can get um, in these kinds of situations. Yeah, let's get these people some help instead of uh, public shaming them, right? Right. Yeah, and that does bring us to our Mormon News Roundup question of the week. If you come on over to Anchor, you can interact with us on our question of the week. And the question is, are vigilante-led sexual predator entrapment groups doing more good than harm. We also have a website. It's www.mormonnewsroundup.com or .org. We bought both of the domains. Or you can send us an email to colob at mormonnewsroundup.org. We'd love to know your thoughts on this last article. <laughs> and that does, Jared, you've got our next article, and this is quite a doozy. Okay, well, <clears throat> this is horrifying. Oh, Pornhub <laughs> every year releases the most searched, um, the most searched for thing on, on their site. In, by state each each year and so it's concerning mm -hmm. <laughs> because i think we need to bring back um you know good old-fashioned traditional porn like i don't see a single one that's just blowjob like, how come right. nobody's looking that up or missionary mm -hmm. position <laughs> yeah i'm very concerned by the way as an idahoan because just like grandma used in, to make <laughs> <laughs> ours is hentai oh and then our neighbors over there in Washington are furry. Yeah. Furry? What the hell's going on? Uh, but the big concern here is uh, Utah. Utah decided Mormon uh, to be a search term. And I remember when I first left the church, um, people on the ex-Mormon subreddit would joke around about the Mormon girls site. That's like, it's a Mormon woman It's Mormon yeah. porn type thing. And so mm -hmm. obviously I immediately looked it up. And Jared, <laughs> it is unsettling. They're like wearing temple clothes. Oh <laughs> no! Like, wow! Like I'm being interviewed by the bishop, and mm -hmm. I'll do anything for repentance, bishop. Mm -hmm. Like oh, oh no! This is, 
This is stuff we complain mm-hmm. about on the ex-Mormon subreddit. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's so hot how he abuses his power. <laughs> well, I do like at least that my state has a pretty decent term, and it's smoking. You know, yeah. like, I guess, like, smoking hot. I, I I mean, at least we don't have an embarrassing term. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of embarrassing search terms out there, and I'd mm-hmm. like to say that Virginia has a pretty decent term, smoking. I think that's not mm-hmm. too bad, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a lot better than Illinois with dirty talk. Yeah. Watch it. Watch <laughs> yeah, it. I know. Yeah. We're going to get an explicit rating on this. Yeah. Dirty, I mean, dirty talk's probably better than Kentucky's stepmom. That, oh, that man. Too. Oh. Yeah. You know this though. The, this does uh, uh, it does prove to me that Russell M. Nelson does have prophetic abilities because I think he's totally vindicated. Because it looks like the word Mormon really is a victory for Satan. <laughs> it is on uh, you porn or whatever yeah. Uh, Pornhub, yeah. Yeah, porn it does. It does already look like a that. victory for Satan. So this is just a double victory for Satan. A double victory. <laughs> you know, I would have thought honestly that the most porn word in Utah that was like Utah specific would have been like polygamy. I, I don't. I don't really know. I. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was definitely not expecting the word Mormon. Uh, those, kind of alarming. <laughs> those videos are also very unsettling. Oh yeah, no! I'm sure they are. <laughs> <laughs> But luckily, your senator, um, Al, he has mm-hmm. come to the rescue. Uh, right after this was released, uh, your senator, he oh says he's going to solve <laughs> He's going to solve this entire problem for us. What is he going to do? He wants to ban all porn because the, ah. the, the, the old abstinence uh, form of birth control. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this will fix everything. Yeah, so yeah. he introduced the Interstate Obesity Definition Act, IODA, and it would uh, establish a national definition of obscenity, which would, in effect, outlaw all online sexual content nationwide. So Mike Lee is going to try to fix this uh, problem of the Utah word uh, porn hub search term for Mormon, and he's just mm-hmm. going to make it off limits for everyone. Yeah, and I think his next plan is to ban swimming so nobody drowns anymore, too. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think about that as a premise because, well, just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's always good to outlaw it, mm-hmm. you know? Well, we discussed yeah. this before that, yeah, the, the world would probably be better off without internet porn. Like, if it sure. just could go away, probably be better mm-hmm. off. We'd also be better off if alcohol just went away mm-hmm. or, or cigarettes just went away. But illegalizing them is just a terrible strategy yeah all, all it does is all the porn stars that are now jobless what have you done <laughs> well yeah. ai is going to take care of that soon we're going to oh have my God. i'm just going to be able to mm-hmm. type in audrey hepburn <laughs> and marilyn mm-hmm. monroe double teaming jared and i'm going to get mm-hmm. like a personalized video well you it know? sounds it sounds like Jared that you're a real subject matter expert in all of this. By the way, you're a very forward thinking guy. I think I'm a millennial. Be... Okay. Yeah. yeah. I I saw internet porn when I was in second grade. I I know how, <laughs> I know how this works. I don't yeah, want to be an expert, but I am. Okay, get off my back. Okay. Okay. Well, we're not your bishop, so hey, that's not that's none of our business. But I'll uh, talk to him though. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that sounds good. Yeah, you talked about AI. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. funny that you mentioned that because AI is all in the rage these days. And in fact, somebody, um, the, 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 the new AI out there is called chat GPT and you can go into there and you can type in almost any question and the AI will give you, um, its response. And mm-hmm. somebody went in there and typed in, um, Hey, um, I'd like to hide to collab, you know, like that old hymn, if you could hide mm-hmm. a collab. And he said to the chat GPT, how can I hide a collab? And Al, what, ha- what did the AI say about uh, getting to collab? 
Uh, let me open that one up because it is precious. Um, yeah, basically, while you're opening that up, he says yeah. that kolob is a term from the Book of Mormon, a religious text that is considered sacred by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in the book, kolob is described as a star or a planet that's near to the throne of God. But here's the most important part. It is not possible to physically travel to kolob as it is a fictional place that exists only in the religious beliefs of Mormons. That's right. <laughs> How does it know all this? Um, well, it's not... Uh, it's not stupid. It's not artificial stupid. It's artificial intelligence. So um, that's going to give you a straight, very uncomfortable answer. <laughs> Look, that artificial intelligence is going to be artificially blushing when we discover collab. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what the James, the James Webb uh, telescope. Oh, sorry. Go I, ahead. I, oh, you're fine. I was just going to say, I think Satan probably was the one that told the artificial intelligence that it's fictitious. So. Ah, <laughs> major victory for Satan. You know, the James Webb telescope, as soon as that was starting to bring back those images, there was a lot of memes out there with people saying, hey, we finally found Kolob, and they put the you know, little dot on the Kolob, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is why uh, artificial intelligence ought to just be used for genealogy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, speaking of what the response was, it actually the uh, the text message I saw or the screenshot said that uh, it said that Kolob was from the Book of Mormon, which technically is not accurate because Kolob is not in the Book of Mormon. It's actually in the Pearl of Great Price, uh, specifically the Book of Abraham. But when I went to the chat GPT, it had actually fixed that and it said that uh, Kolob was from the Book of Abraham. So between the time that somebody posted it and the time that I tested it, it had actually learned the correct uh, origin of the word Kolob. So, I mean, AI... It is able to easily answer some of the most difficult gospel questions, and that's pretty scary. Good heavens, it's learning. <laughs> now, we just need to feed it the questions in the CES letter, and that, uh, that's all we need to do. It's going to be able to answer oh, those with ease. That would be oh a fun God. project. <laughs> I know what I'm doing this Coming afternoon. Up next week. <laughs> AI debunks the CES letter. (laughs) Well, it was able to easily do it with Kolob. And in fact, uh, somebody actually went to the same AI and said, hey, uh, would you please give me a patriarchal blessing? So a patriarchal blessing in the church is um, where you go to uh, uh, usually an older male. He he puts his hands on your head and he gives you a special blessing. It's it's kind of like um, being able to tell you your potential in life. And uh, Morgan and and Jared, what happened when um, you asked the chat GPT for a patriarchal blessing? What happened? Here's what it says. Well, it gave us it. It said, Dear Sister Higdon, <laughs> as a patriarch in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, it is my privilege to give you a patriarchal blessing. This blessing is given by the laying on of hands and is inspired by God. In this blessing, you are promised that God will guide and direct you in your life. He will bless you with the gifts and abilities that you need to fulfill your divine potential. You are a child of God, and he loves you and cares for you. You have been called to serve in a special way in his kingdom. As you are obedient to his commandments and keep his covenants, you will be blessed with spiritual strength, wisdom, and understanding. You are of the house of Israel, almost, buddy. That's not quite there, but, and have been given a special heritage and lineage. You are a descendant of ancestor <clears throat> and have a special role to play to, uh, in furthering the work of the Lord. May you always remember your divine heritage and may you live in such a way that you are worthy to receive the blessings of the Lord. May you always seek to do his will, and may you find joy and fulfillment in this life and in the life to come. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So how accurate is that, Morgan? Um, I think it was more accurate than my actual patriarchal blessing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, it's like uh, they just copy and pasted mine on there. I know, it is spot on. It's almost, it's just, it's scary. And I couldn't believe how it had that little, like, that little cutoff section where it said, insert ancestor here. Yeah. Like, that mm-hmm. was wild. And, um, I mean, yeah, it was spot on. Yeah, That's the only, crazy. yeah, I'd say the only thing it got wrong was saying you are of the house of Israel. But other right. than that, like, the, the mm-hmm. language was spot on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. even I mean, capitalized just... his when it was talking about God. And the mm-hmm. length was pretty spot on, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing, yeah, it, it, it has a blank there for the word ancestor because the, the chat knows, the AI knows this, there's some person that gets put in there. They're not exactly sure, you know, Manassas is it, it, probably pulling a lot of different things. It knows that some ancestor is supposed to go in there, so they're just leaving that as a blank. I mean, it is uncannily act, accurate. Gosh, that's so cool. That's so interesting. Yeah, and so also, I also, I was messing around with it. I was like, man, if you can, it can, he seems like an easily answered questions about Kola, but can give patriarchal blessings. So I was in there and I was going in there and messing around with it. And I asked it, I said, uh, you know, this is one of the most <clears throat> difficult co- gospel questions, at least for me. And it's, is the word Mormon a victory for Satan? Because that's a, that's a pretty controversial question. There's a lot of people, even we had Rick Bennett on last week and we even had Jim Bennett the week before. None of them think that it's a victory for Satan, although a lot of members of the church do think that it is a victory for Satan. So, Al, when we when we put it into the chat, what did we get? Is is AI, is the word Mormon actually a victory for Satan? Um, well, the very first uh, sentence of its response is saying that the word Mormon is not a victory for Satan. Oh. The word Mormon comes from the Book of Mormon, which is sacred text of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the LDS, or Mormon Church. The, well, he is really not following the prophet there, is he? Oh. Uh, yeah, oh, the Book of Mormon God. is named after the prophet Mormon who compiled the book from earlier records as the ancient inhabitants of the Americas. Oh my so God. This is, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's almost like uh, artificial intelligence is not bound to follow the, the teachings of the Latter-day Prophets. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, basically, AI, it believes that Kolob is a made-up place that no one can visit. It gives a near-perfect patriarchal blessing. And it knows that the word Mormon is really not a major victory for Satan. I mean, you want to talk about accuracy. Wow. I'm mm-hmm. impressed. Well, sure, but it hasn't received the gift of the artificial Holy Ghost yet, so it otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah the the question is, just because it can give patriarchal blessings, I mean, does it really have the authority? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and uh, uh, well, I don't know. I I'm starting to think that this thing is smarter than than most most members and 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 maybe even some of the leadership. So maybe the AI should be the next prophet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's accurate. It it's spot on. <laughs> yeah, but can it translate reformed Egyptian? That's the real question. <laughs> That's the test. <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it can do almost anything. It's pretty incredible. In fact, you know, I, I actually put in one one more prompt in here because I just find it to be endlessly fascinating. I said, hey, you know, AI, will you please tell me a Mormon joke? But it said, no, I'm sorry. I'm not programmed to tell jokes that may offend or be inappropriate for certain audiences. It is important to be respectful and considerate of others' beliefs and feelings. So, I mean, it is even politically correct. It knows all about Kolob. It gives perfect patriarchal blessings. It knows the word Mormon is really not a major victory for Satan. And, but it's still sensitive to my own personal feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I this mean, thing's I, diplomatic. 
yeah i mean is it on grinder or i mean i mean i need to know these things i mean yeah. <laughs> the funny part is anytime in the past they've tried to roll out one of these artificial intelligent chat bots it's immediately flooded by 4chan people who like try to they do everything they can to try to make it racist and stuff like that so like so now every new chat bot they do they have to like put parameters like you will not you will not tell sexist jokes you will (laughs) (laughs) and it doesn't want to offend mormons so i i thought i was very impressed by that so you know if you can drop us a like drop us a subscription we'd be uh, grateful very very grateful we also have some bonus content that we put along with this episode up on our patreon site if you go over there you can um uh, get some bonus content that goes along with this particular podcast episode and that does take us to our final article of the week which uh morgan you got this one for us right Yes. So Jeremy Goff, I I think that's how you say it. He's, he's a blogger. He's got a blog called my life by go, go off, you know, play on his last name. He wrote an article on December 11th of 2022. What would you do if the prophet asked you to stop eating vegetables? Leave the church. (laughs) (laughs) You said leave the church, Jared. Oh yeah. You kidding me? I'm from Idaho. (laughs) Potato (laughs) on my diet. We have yeah, as a matter of fact, our backyard. It's it's Idaho law. You have to have them. So now that you an overview. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Now that you mention it, I don't think President Benson would ever ask somebody like that since he was so into agriculture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he definitely wouldn't do that. Okay, sorry to uh, go ahead, Morgan. Sorry about that. No, you're good. So I just want I wanted to read this opening line. What if today the prophet held an official church press release and asked members to stop eating vegetables? How would you react? What would you do? Would you pray for confirmation that it's the will of the Lord? What if that answer didn't come immediately? What if it took a year or 10 years to get an answer? And what would you do in the meantime? And then he covers three points in his article. First, the prophet cannot lead us astray. Second, Fallen prophets are false doctrine. Third, it is not blind obedience to be a faithful witness. And then I just wanted to read this last part of the um, toward the end of the article. Returning to the vegetables. If the prophet told us to stop eating vegetables, those who are valiantly adhering to the principles of the Lord's uh, let's say principles of the Lord's way of following the prophet would simply not eat the veggies. They would be true to what they know, even if they had questions or unanswered prayers, they would remain true. They understand the truth of President N. Eldon Tanner's statement when the prophet, and this is a quote, when the prophet speaks, the debate is over. And that was from a 1979 uh, talk that he's referencing. And then this last line, but those saints who do not accept the underlying principle of the Lord's way of following the prophet will waver and fall. That's kind of funny because he says blind. I think they just need to embrace the term blind obedience because he basically says right there, it's not blind obedience to obey literally everything that the prophet ever tells you to do. Like, but mm-hmm. but it kind of is. You're just like yeah. he's asking you to not eat vegetables anymore, which you know is not like he's not even giving you a reason. He's just mm-hmm. saying do it, and you're like, all right, I'll I'll do that, even though I don't know why that. That is blind obedience. You clearly yeah. think it's a good thing, though. So just embrace it and be like, I'm up for blind obedience. Don't just constantly yeah. be blindly obedient and then claim that, nah, it's not what we're doing. Exactly, well, my, Jared. <laughs> my two thoughts with this. First, I it's funny to me that, okay, so he brings up 
the prophet can't lead us astray. And to prove that, he has quotes from prophets that tell you, like, okay, we cannot, says, we cannot lead you astray, says we. Like, and, and then... And then it's funny, too, that he used the vegetable example because he didn't use an example like something more um, vague, like, you know, what would you do if the, you know, if the prophet asked you to go climb up on your roof every morning and shout, her, you know, something like, like, it wasn't even something weird. It's like something that you know that your body needs, like, and if you should just turn away from that, if the prophet asks you to do so, it's a weird um, analogy that he set up knowing that like this is something that is vital to your your health as a human being uh it just it's it's strange well if you really wanted to get a good question ask them what they would do if the prophet told them to do something that they knew to be immoral yeah let's let's get into that here in a little bit because i think that's kind of an easy question that stop eating vegetables it seems kind of small seems kind of silly but it, it does seem the article says that what if the prophet held a press release the, the, the prophet doesn't even hold a major press release for the major changes in church policy that we just had with the uh, marriage for all act he's not going to hold a press conference for veggies i can tell you that but <laughs> it, there's a lot of things that already that the church has asked uh their, the members to do which are pretty easy which i would consider easy for instance coffee that's technically a fruit grain of types of barley is off limits if it's uh, interacted with yeast and technically the church is also asking members not to eat two types of vegetables namely tobacco and tea and also if you think back to the law of moses there's a lot of things that you should or should not eat in the law of moses so i mean this is kind of uh, like easy mode there's a lot more difficult uh, challenges that the prophet could ask someone it depends on how constipated you are <laughs> yeah good point <laughs> <laughs> That's we do need fiber, dang it. No just ask Jamie Lee. you, Joseph Smith. <laughs> yeah, just ask Jamie Lee Curtis. We all need fiber. Yeah. Okay, so Jared, you kind of asked about what about what if the prophet asks you to do something uh, Ill illegal or immoral. Let's, uh, let's, th those are easy. Veggies and, and, and coffee, I, I would consider that kind of easy. Let's talk about the medium things. What would you do if the prophet asked you to testify on his behalf in his disorderly person trial, which is what Joseph Smith asked Josiah Stolden? do that's a little harder yeah or what would you do if the prophet asked you to lie in order to cover up his illicit relationships with young women less than half of his age and he asked lots of ladies about uh, to do that or finally this is all in the medium category what would you do if the prophet asked you to officiate a sham marriage slash sealing of two sisters to himself in front of his duped wife which is what joseph smith asked william clayton to do well, okay, but you're you're taking out some vital context here, and that he like didn't his wife want to marry. Yeah, them. well, and his wife was going to be like a real asshole about it, like about <laughs> like oh, but you had sex with these two sisters without telling me. Uh, that yeah. makes a difference. Stop it! Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> it is over. Yeah, those are those are a little harder. Uh, what do you think about those medium challenges, uh, Morgan? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it, it's funny. I, overall, the the he's asking a good question here, right? Like, what? Where do you draw the line? Do you have a line? And essentially, right. he answers that in a way that I don't agree with. Which he is answers. That, he says there shouldn't be a line. <laughs> you shouldn't have right. a line, right? My okay. my line is gonna. Uh, and and I think uh, you know, actually, I, I think Jared mentioned this yesterday when we discussed um, on the and well, anyway. If you don't know what your line is, you're going to pass it. 
And I, that's the scary thing. And so I think, I mean, he's asking good questions. I just don't like his answers. Yeah. So if yeah. I'm putting my Mormon hat on, like going back to when I was very, very Mormon, uh, if the prophet asked me to testify on his behalf in a disorderly conduct thing, I probably would have, you know, because I'd be like, oh, they're probably lying about him or whatever. Right. Um, it, but when he starts asking you things like to officiate a sham wedding, that would like... I'm I'm really trying to put my head in this sort of I believe this to be true like mind space because that would really stretch it for me especially if yeah. I knew that it was he was already technically quote unquote married to these girls right but, you know and- the, the scary thing like as I've watched I've just researched so many different cults and La Luz del Mundo is one I've researched really heavily and they have a massive sex scandal with their leader. It's their apostle. It's the equivalent of our prophet. And uh, he was arrested and and he got charged 16 years for, um, you know, uh, just horrible, horrible damage to children, human, human trafficking, just awful things that I don't know if I'm allowed to say on here, but um, essentially they were all told that, uh, that the, that their apostle deserved virgins and that it made it not a sin. And, and these girls were brainwashed into, you know, having the, these relations with him because they, they didn't have a line drawn that they could say, wait a second, maybe if, if the prophet asks me to do this thing, maybe he's not a prophet. Right. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting to me that whenever you got somebody that's like in ecclesiastical authority, that's preaching so hard against sin it's uh given they get a free pass it's not sin when they do it when you got some sort of narcissist cult leader that's um out there engaging in things that he's been uh, very strictly against oh well it's not sin because it doesn't apply to that person yeah yeah i do like this blog though because he has a lot of blog uh, posts that really go viral and he has a lot of thought-provoking questions and i kind of take this question kind of like a theoretical thought experiment and we're only in the medium section so let's take it up a notch and and have a little bit more hard questions what if, oh. what would you do if the prophet asked you to mortgage a large portion of your personal property and donate it to the church because that's what martin harris had to do and by the way he mm-hmm. lost the mortgage and he lost that portion of his farm that was a significant portion of his assets oh, it ruined or, him, yeah or what would you do if the prophet asked you to marry your 14-year-old daughter as his 25th secret wife? That's what uh, Joseph Smith asked Heber Kimball to do. Now we're getting to the hard category. Yes, we are. Um, yeah, I think even at my most Mormon, like I might have mortgaged my farm. I don't know. I kind of hope not. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty certain. Obviously, everybody's capable of evil things. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain that I would say, no, you can't marry my daughter, and that disqualifies you from being a prophet. Go to hell. Goodbye. Well, and in Heber Kimball's defense, like, he clearly really believed in Joseph Smith, you know? And so, like, if he thinks that this is, you know, his his daughter's salvation is resting on this marriage, and, and uh, then, you know, obviously he's going to be really inclined to want to support it, even even if he had... Um, you know, reservations. Yeah, it's really interesting to like look at the the mindset and think, okay, well, in order to to like, how do you justify this? Well, in order to justify it, because well, obviously the knee jerk reaction is no, right? But in order to try and justify it, you try looking back to other examples of what uh, has been done, and like, okay, well, you know. God did uh, ask um, Abraham to sacrifice Isaac or something, you know, uh, just to give an example out there. 
Uh, so therefore, if God's uh, going to, you know, maybe that's what this is, is a test. And I think that Joseph Smith understood that and he played on that a lot, uh, especially as, a, as things went along and the polygamy became a real big deal. Yeah, we're getting to the harder questions here. Now, let's get to the hardest questions that I could come up with. I don't know. Maybe you have harder ones, but these are the hardest ones that I could find in all of the Holy Scriptures. What would you do if the prophet asked you as a soldier to withdraw in a battle so that a fellow brother in arms, you know, we're talking about Uriah in the Old Testament, would be left for dead? And remember, David, he he was considered a prophet by most people, and I think the Latter-day Saints would consider him to be a prophet. Would you do that? Uh. This no. one's kind of funny because I would I'd like to hear what this Gogo Goff's response to that would be because when yeah. he says the prophet will never lead you astray, that's an example of it's not just an example of I personally think that David led these people astray by leaving Uriah to die to cover up for his own indiscretion, but it's the Bible itself frames him as having done the wrong thing in that instance. Yeah, and so like, yeah. that's a, that's a biblical example of but, the moral authority of the church absolutely leading somebody astray. Yeah. Well, what what about you, Dives? You're you're the military guy here. Um, if that, if suppose that I mean by equivalence, if you had like a five star general that had commanded you, hey, you know, we're just going to have to leave them there. We so, pull back. So as a soldier, if you're given a lawful order to withdraw, then you have to obey that lawful order, and that would be considered a lawful order. So from Mm -hmm. a general, you would have to follow that order. And if you think back to the times of the – if you think back Mm -hmm. to the – like the – you know, the That's Civil hard. War, people people who refuse those type of orders, any type mm-hmm. of order like that, they could be executed. So yeah, yes, as a soldier, true. yes. But as a human being, you're programmed to uh, – one of the yeah. soldier's creed says that we never leave a fallen comrade. So it's a yeah. very, very difficult question. That's that, why I put it in the hardest question exactly. section. Exactly. Yeah, this is – that is a really hard one. Yeah, okay. Let's but uh, <clears throat> let's go on to another hard, harder – I'm trying to get to the hardest ones at the end. What would you do yeah. if the prophet asked you to chop off the head of a defenseless, unarmed, and unconscious man? Um, and that was with Nephi and Laban in the Book of Mormon. Now, technically, a prophet did not ask Nephi to do that. He said it was the voice of the Lord. But still, what if uh, Nephi had turned to you and said, hey, you were supposed to do that? Would you do it? Well, I mean, if a voice in your head tells you to kill someone, what else are you going to do? Exactly, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's where the underbanner of heaven came from. that voice in his head, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's exactly where we got the Under the Banner of Heaven series. Mm-hmm. You that's know, exactly that, that, where uh, the punishment came from. <laughs> yeah. They, in fact, the uh, Lafferty specifically referenced Nephi and Laban in the Book of Mormon talking about uh, when they killed Brenda Lafferty. So, yes. Yeah. Um, if you take things seriously, that would be a yes. Okay, let's keep going. I'm coming up to the hardest ones. Got three more. What would you do if the prophet asked you to kill your own son, as you referenced earlier, J- uh, Jared? Now, that was technically Abraham, and that was an angel with his son Isaac. But still, what if Abraham had asked you to do that? I mean, I hope I'd say no. <laughs> yeah, veggies are easy. I, I saw this on thought prank before God. I know, I know what you're up to. Yeah, these are, veggies are easy. These are harder. Now, the last two I have for you is: What would you do if the prophet asked you to summon bears to kill 42 children? Because that's what happened with Elijah in the Old Testament. Now he did it himself, but still, what if he asked you to do it? And the final, the most difficult question that I could think of. You tell me if I uh, came up with the hardest one was: What would you do if the prophet asked you to kill countless men, women, children, and innocent babies? That was with uh, Saul and the Amalekites. And also Joshua with the Canaanites. Now, remember, Saul, he was technically a king, so he wasn't a prophet. Mm-hmm. But Joshua, he definitely was a prophet, and he yeah. said to wipe out the Canaanites. That's that's mm-hmm. 
those are a lot harder than vegetables. Yeah, genocide's a little bit uh, more than vegetables. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, uh, going back to your point, Morgan, you said that the, the 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 article was broken down into three separate categories. First, the prophet cannot lead us astray. And I was uh, really thinking about that. I just thought of a couple of examples. Number one, we have Joseph Smith's translation of the book of uh, Abraham. Now, that is a small misleading of being led astray. Joseph Smith said that the figures and facsimiles and things represented certain things and they do not. He said that certain characters represented certain uh, images, birds, people, and they did not. But he definitely led us astray in the book of Abraham. You might not think that it has much implication for our modern day, but that's definitely an example. Uh, you also have the Adam God theory where Brigham Young, he taught that uh, Adam was our God, but uh, Spencer Kimball said, uh, no, that's uh, the theories of men. You also have the blood atonement. Brigham Young taught it, but it's been taken back. You also have blacks in the temple and the priesthood ban. Uh, homosexuality being repeatedly and persistently taught as a curable personal evil choice for decades. You also have God as a spirit in the lectures on faith, which was quietly decanonized in 1921. It seems like we're seeing a lot of times where uh, prophets have led us astray. And polygamy, like people could go back and forth with that because they'll say, oh, well, no, it was it was needed then, but not now. Mm -hmm. But there were several prophets that said it would always be foundational mm-hmm. to getting to the, the, you know, the celestial kingdom. See, I've yeah. seen enough apologetics that I, like, I can think of the ways to squirm out of most of these, mm-hmm. right? Like, cause they can say that like, well, people were just, they were wrong. It was like with blacks and the priesthood, they were just wrong. Mm-hmm. They were products of their time and they maybe like, they wouldn't yeah, listen the, to the God. People until were I don't know. Yeah. Like you can kind mm-hmm. of try to squirm your way out of that one. The really difficult mm-hmm. one to score out of, though, with as far as leading you astray, is uh, the Adam God theory, because yeah. that's that's not just something that, like, you say we were kind of wrong about. That's actually a yeah. that's a direct yeah. teaching that well, most Mormons right that? now would consider blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not something that's really changed. The nature of God should be uh, consistent. We're taught that God is mm-hmm. the same from all time. So that one is uh, one of the more difficult ones. And also in our modern day time frame, think about this. Gordon B. Hinckley, he said that the Defense of Marriage Act back in 1996, that was God's will. That's why we had Proposition 8 and the church was uh, all hands on deck to um, overturn, make sure Proposition 8 uh, you know, was uh, defeated. And now we have Russell M. Nelson in the last couple of weeks who said that it's God's will to repeal it, which is what the Marriage for All Act did. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, you can try to weasel out of both of those, but it does really seem like we're um, two different uh, uh, two different planes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, his his whole you know answer in this article is the prophet can't lead us astray, but then we have all these examples, and I, like you could steel man some of these by maybe saying like God knew we weren't ready for certain information, like God knew people were too racist, so he said that they're not gonna have the priesthood, but then like. You know, but it's just some of these instances don't really make sense with that, with that answer, you know, things like blood atonement and things like that. It's just like, to me, uh, for him to sit here and say, well, the prophet can't lead you astray. So if he says, you know, eat, don't eat your vegetables, then you better listen. But we have all of these really specific examples that say otherwise. And what that should make any any member of, of, of any church, but, you know, especially the LDS church think about is that perhaps it's possible that the, that uh, a prophet can lead you astray. And if that's the case, maybe you should pay closer attention to what he's asking you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, that <clears throat> makes me think of it, it. It always just feels like setting up a monarchy as a valid form of like a valid system of checks and balances. Like mm-hmm. the King, 
will never overstep his powers because the king will make sure that doesn't happen. Because mm-hmm. he's the king, right? <laughs> yeah, so we should be we should be a monarchy. Nobody has as much yeah. power as this guy to check him, but he'll check himself. I'm sure. Yeah. I find what's really amusing about this whole uh, study is that they're using something as simple as like vegetables. Okay. But um, <clears throat> the, the, the message from the, the pulpit keeps coming. Oh, this is the generation that's the most valiant of all generations. The Lord has saved his most uh, righteous and his most stalwart and his strongest uh, spirits to come down in the last days. And yet we're being faced by really easy questions. Like, like, okay, if the prophet's going to ask you to do something like stop eating your vegetables, you know, oh, you don't like eating broccoli? Well, you know, if the Lord uh, tells the prophet to tell you to stop eating broccoli, are you going to stop eating it? Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know. As long as he doesn't stop telling me to drink monsters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're not getting asked. Okay, so are you, I mean, when I was in seminary and during Gordon Binkley's years, uh, it was like, okay, well, if the prophet asks you to commit suicide and take your own life or take the lives of your family with you, if he commands you, are you going to do it? I mean, that was the kind of questions that we were asked. Uh, so giving up vegetables seems like a, a big step back. <laughs> Have yeah, some sure balls, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy. Off, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, his second point in the article is that fallen prophets are false doctrine. He seems to be making the argument that there's no such thing as fallen prophets. But if you look back through the scriptures, we can find lots of examples. We already talked mm-hmm. about David in the Old Testament. He basically mm-hmm. killed Uriah and he slept with Bathsheba. If that's yeah. not fallen, I'm not sure what is. Jonah, mm-hmm. he ran away from the Lord's commandments. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to call for uh, the God told Jonah to do something. He did the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I thought he couldn't lead people astray. But and then he seems pretty fallen to me. You also have a, a very obvious example of Judas in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. If he's not a fallen prophet, I really, you know, betraying Jesus, I, I don't know where you can, how you can say that Judas wasn't a fallen prophet. Well, uh, apostles are considered uh, prophets, seers, and revelators themselves, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, people are going to say, well, that, that that's in the old times. You know, that's all in the Bible where the new, you know, the, 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 the stone has been established or cut out of the mountain and it's not going to happen again. Well, if you think about how many apostles have been in this dispensation since um, the first apostles were uh, commissioned in 1835, they were chosen by the three witnesses. Uh, there's been 105 total apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and 12, 12 of them have been excommunicated. 12. Wow. You know, and these are some of the highest people, not just low level apostles. We're talking about Thomas Marsh. He was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve, um, yes, and he was. was excommunicated in 1839. Sidney mm-hmm. Rigdon was in the first presidency. He was excommunicated. William Law, he was the second counselor in the first presidency. He was excommunicated. John C. Bennett was technically the assistant president of the church. He was the number two in line. He was mm-hmm. excommunicated. And Oliver Cowdery, who's probably one of the most important people in the Restoration, he was the second elder in the mm-hmm. church. This was before they founded the Twelve Apostles. He was excommunicated. So the idea that there's no fallen prophets, that's just, I, I don't know how you can make that argument. Well, we, we've kind of forgotten that because I think the last uh, apostle to be excommunicated was back in about 1840. Is that right? Uh, no, 1940. Uh, that's Lyman, right, ni- 1940, yeah. Yeah, Ly- <laughs> Lyman was excommunicated for <clears throat> adultery in 1940. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's kind of ancient history, but I mean, ancient history, that's World War II. It's not that ancient. Uh, this is like our grandparents' uh, time period. So, well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's clearly evidence that like prophets can fall, which leads us to the conclusion that that means the current prophets could fall as well. And 
um, I just, I think that that's something that, that Mormonism, um, kind of, I don't know, they set their, their members up to fail essentially because you have these members that have this blind loyalty, uh, which just says that, oh, it doesn't matter if I agree with what he's saying or not. Like I just, uh, you know, he cannot, it's not possible that he can lead me astray. It's a very comforting thought, right? Because Mm -hmm. you have this moral framework and it's going to keep you safe from doing the wrong thing. This person is Mm -hmm. never going to lead you astray. It's very comfortable. And it's also very easy to just rely Mm -hmm. on that as being true. And sometimes we can allow things to be true in our mind simply because we want them to be true. And because it's such a comforting Mm -hmm. idea, we want it to be true. Um, But ultimately, this is a lot of evidence to suggest otherwise. And like Jared Mm -hmm. said, I'd be curious to hear uh, Jeremy's response to these examples. Uh, I, I guarantee you, if you uh, follow the prophet and uh, c- commit a crime, um, and you try to implicate the prophet, saying, "Well, you know, he told me to commit the to murder my son," um, nah, dog. Curtin McConkey will have some very interesting things to say about personal accountability in the courtroom. <laughs> <I'm sure>. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, let's. Uh, that goes along with our poll of the week here. We mm-hmm. on our poll of the week. You can. Um, it's available only on Anchor, but if you come on over to Anchor, you can interact with us. And what is the poll of the week this uh, week that goes along with this article, Al? Okay, so the the question this week is: What would you do if the prophet asked you to stop eating vegetables? Okay, is it number one? Are we go? Am I reading this or Jared? No, uh, I was I was hoping Morgan or Jared uh, okay. is uh, yeah, Morgan Jared, or Jared. Jared. <clears throat> is it number one? No problem. I already follow a strict diet consisting only of BYU creamery ice cream. <laughs> that sounds good. I like that. A little hard on the arteries, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that. That sounds like a good diet, by the way. I, I may need to try that. Or uh, Morgan, is it number two? Yes, oh, yeah. Number two answer on the poll is not sure. I would really need to pray about it first or at least consult with a rock and a hat. Yeah, I've never tried the rock and a hat. I've heard. I've heard that. I've never tried it. I don't know if any of you have tried that. I don't. Does that work better than prayer, or about the same? I mean, it's translated entire books of religious texts, so it's got to work really well, right? It's got to be the right kind of rock. You got to make sure it's Ah. one of those ones that they use for the treasure digging. Those ones work really well. They don't find treasure, but they translate really well. (laughs) Yes, it's it's helpful to get it out of your neighbor's well and then uh, borrow it from him and then refuse to return it. That's that's Mm -hmm. the best kind of rock if you can get that kind. Or is it uh, Jared number three? No sweat. As long as I can still drink 96 ounces of Mountain Dew every day, I'll be just fine. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like there's a lot of people who follow that as well. I'm not sure about that. But they're not addicted. No. (laughs) No, they're not going to drink one cup of coffee, but 96 ounces of Mountain Dew, no problem. Mm -hmm. Or how about number uh, four? Morgan, is it number four? Not going to happen. Jesus cursed disobedient fruit in the Bible not vegetables. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good Jesus point. Jesus hates figs. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Or uh, the Westboro Baptist Church, they mistranslated it. It's God hates figs. <laughs> oh, my. that's good. <laughs> that's funny. That's good. 
Oh, boy. Uh, it, it does appear that God is not a big fan of uh, figs if they're not uh, towing the line, though. I, mm-hmm. I think we can safely say that. Or okay. is it uh, number uh, five? Unless they update the official... <clears throat> Unless they update the official general handbook of instruction, I ain't doing nothing. It's that a is very safe. bureaucratic religion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What do they have in the handbook? Clause the handbook 2A. Is, <laughs> yeah, the handbook's up to 500 pages, so it's a, it's a nice light reading. I read it every single night. You know, I try to get through it once a week myself. But, um, yeah, you got to keep uh, it under your pillow. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Or Morgan, is it number six? I'm all in. My second cousin's sister-in-law's home teacher's patriarchal blessing said this day would finally come. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that before. I've heard that Uh before. That does make a lot of sense. Or finally, uh, is the last option here, Jared, is number seven. Sorry, I only follow what Desnat tells me about Hollow Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, which one of these, uh, Morgan? You know, this is an imperfect poll, but what would be the closest to your answer? Or what would you do if the prophet asked you to stop eating vegetables? You've got seven choices here. What's uh, which one best represents your feelings? Uh, probably the rock and the hat. I would really okay. need to uh, mm-hmm. consult with that first. Right, and Jared, which one for you? I'd probably do number three. I'm a fat piece of shit. Okay, <laughs> no sweat. <laughs> It doesn't bother you one bit. Gotcha. No problem. Okay. Wait, well, Taco Bell vegetables? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't include refried beans, right? <laughs> now, we have some big uh, shows. That's all the news for this week, but we have a big shows coming up here. I just want to run down our mm-hmm. uh, lineup that's coming up. We have a very special show lined up for next week with not one but two special guests where we were going to review the top 10 Mormon stories of the year. And we also, uh, Morgan, we recorded a special episode for My Spiritual Life, right? Yeah, hell yeah, we did. I'm really excited to release that. It'll be either on Christmas or after. And I'm even making like a mini version of it too for people that want to get the recap, but uh, don't want to, you know, listen to us chat for so long. So I'm making like a six minute version. So that'll be cool. Too. Nice. Very nice. And also for uh, January 1st, we have Rebecca Biblioteca from the Good Book Club, who's uh, our first regular guest host. She's coming on. We also have a tentative agreement from Emily from the Dissident Daughters podcast. She's coming on on January 8th. We've heard the Midnight Mormons. I'm getting some, uh, uh, some, they might be coming on in January. Not sure how many of them, but we have lots of other big shows and guests in the work. Yep, we're really excited about that. Um, so I think I'll wrap it up for us today. I want to give a quick shout out to Weird Alma for this episode's music and every episode's music. We really appreciate him working with us. Thank you so much for ruminating with us on the great and spacious beehive. And remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. Thank you very much, Morgan and Jared, for joining us. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.